0: Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Are you frustrated by the complex and sometimes impenetrable process to borrow money? You're not alone. Conventional lending practices leave a disproportionate percentage of Native Americans out. But fortunately, there are a growing number of alternative and Native-led lenders devoted to helping Native borrowers access money for big purchases and build their credit. We'll hear from some of them about built-in barriers for many prospective borrowers and how to overcome them right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Congresswoman-elect Mary Peltola is being sworn into the U.S. House Tuesday. She beat Sarah Palin in a special election for Alaska's sole house seat and becomes the first Alaska Native to serve in Congress. Before heading to Washington, D.C., she returned home to Bethel. KYUK's Nina Kravinsky has more. <laughs> Peltola supporters
2: gathered at the library for a feast. Dishes, potluck style, filled a long table. In front of it, the Bethel Russian Orthodox Choir sang. Peltola wiped away tears as the choir switched into a Yupik rendition of God Grant You Many Years. Bethany Kaiser is a paralegal from Bethel. She cried too when she heard the election results.
1: I think she really can relate to not just Bethel, like rural Alaska in general, like all over the state. I think she can really relate to coming from a small town and knowing the challenges that we all face out here.
2: Challenges that include resources and infrastructure. Bertha Nagaziak hopes Hultola being in Congress will bring better family and homeless services to Bethel. I pray that she follows through of what she say and how she's gonna help our people of our community. Others said they wanted her to address the low salmon runs in the region. That issue was a big part of poltola's campaign. She describes herself as pro-fish and wants to place stricter bycatch limits on trawling. Poltola told KYUK before the community event that she's still working on the specifics, but she hopes to craft legislation that will benefit the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta.
3: My perspective, my worldview is
1: From this region. So I think it will be interwoven into every single thing that I do.
2: Paul now heads to D.C., where she'll be sworn in to serve the last four months of late Congressman Don Young's term. She's running again in November to serve the next full two-year term. In Bethel, I'm Nina Kravinsky.
1: Advocates for keeping the Badger to medicine in northwest Montana free from oil and gas development say the legal fight over the land is far from over. This comes after a federal judge last week reinstated a decades-old lease on the land that's sacred to the Blackfeet Nation. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton has more.
4: Washington, D.C. District Court Judge Richard Leon ordered the U.S. Interior Department to reinstate Solenex's lease in the Lewis and Clark National Forest, which was first issued in the 1980s. The federal government canceled the lease six years ago, saying it was issued illegally. Leon, in his ruling, said the government didn't have the authority to cancel it. The lease is on undeveloped land, considered the cultural homeland of the Blackfeet Nation. Blackfeet Historical Preservation Officer John Murray is one of the interveners in the case.
3: fight is far from over. The to Medicine will remain the way it is today.
4: The Glacier 2 Medicine Alliance also said in a statement it would fight the ruling, although the alliance and other groups have not yet said when they may appeal. The Mountain States Legal Foundation, which is representing leaseholder Solenex, said it will be ready to defend the ruling if appealed. The Interior Department declined to comment on the case. The Solenex lease was one of over 40 oil and gas leases that were issued in the Badger 2 Medicine and is the last remaining lease on that land. Others were either voluntarily relinquished, canceled by the Interior Department, or retired through private settlements. For National Native News, I'm Erin Bolton.
1: And I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
5: National Native News is produced by Kwanik Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Vision Maker Media's ninth biennial Vision Maker Film Festival, celebrating together. The Vision Maker Film Festival will present five weeks of Indigenous films at visionmakermedia.org, October 10TH to November 11TH, 2022. Did you know 1 in 26 people will develop epilepsy during their lifetime? Or that 1 in 10 people will have a seizure? Call 1-800-332-1000 to speak with an epilepsy information specialist. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you've ever applied for a credit card, car loan, or home mortgage, you know you need to meet a minimum credit score and clear a host of other financial hurdles. But are those long-standing lending requirements always fair and accurate, especially when it comes to Native borrowers? A growing movement of Native-led financial institutions are offering alternative means to gauge creditworthiness. Some ease up on credit scores and the ratio between debt and income if borrowers agree to a set of requirements. Those might include attending budgeting classes and creating a financial plan. Many alternative lenders also encourage ongoing communication even after a loan closes. Alternative credit programs and the unique financial needs of Native Americans. That's our show today and we want you to chime in. Have you ever been denied credit? Do you have access to affordable loans in your community? Call us at 1-800-996-2848. We'd really love to have you participate as a listener. Our producers are standing by and our phone lines are open. Our first guest is joining us from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Jamie Glashay. She's co-founder of Native Women Lead. She's Navajo, White White Mountain Apache, and she's Kiowa. Jamie, welcome back to the show.
6: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So absolutely, Jamie, in this whole issue of alternative credit and going beyond what we think of as credit scores and what banks and lenders usually use to evaluate creditworthiness. So uh, a lot of uh, Native-led lenders, CDFIs, community development, financial institutions, other types of Native nonprofits, you folks are really exploring um, what it means for a person to be creditworthy and, and um, you're creating new programs. Tell us about them.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. So Native Women Lead in the past couple years has um, piloted a couple of different lending um, programs that support Indigenous women entrepreneurs, really with the goal to show that Indigenous women are investable and that they have wonderful sustaining businesses that create economic impact, not only for for themselves, their families and their communities. Um, but we also see on the, on the other side of that is access to capital is definitely a huge challenge and barrier within our communities. So we wanted to find a way to not only support the entrepreneurs we serve, but to do so in a way that was equitable. We wanted to ensure that we provided um, products that, were, that didn't have high interest rates, that uh, people didn't have to jump through a number of hoops and barriers and challenges just to get a loan, and it really required us to do some uh, deep dive into what uh, sort of systems and challenges there are in the not only the local lending landscape, but also nationally that Indigenous women face. So that's essentially why we created this program because a lot of our folks were not getting the capital that they needed to start and grow their businesses and didn't know where to source it and were running into challenges as they were um, going to financial institutions to find capital.
0: And, Jamie, when we think of, of what we usually encounter when somebody applies for a loan, like like having a, a credit report pulled and looking at financials and things like that, what are, are some of the biggest prohibitors? What are, are standing in the way, the barriers that um, are keeping a lot of Native folks from, from getting the credit they need when using traditional banks and lenders?
6: Well, in this country today, a lot of the underwriting um, or the due diligence that takes place for lenders to – Uh, assess whether someone is um, credit worthy it's very contingent on the five c's of credit which is essentially um, looking at someone's credit score looking at how much capital they have looking at the market conditions seeing if someone can um, leverage collateral like things they own to uh, secure the loan and do they have the capacity to to repay Um, unfortunately within our communities because of economic exclusion from the financial system for over 500 years um, this is quite problematic for indigenous people um, simply because if you think about someone who may not have access to financial literacy or education um, they may not have a great credit score uh, oftentimes in indigenous communities the, the market isn't really known so as a lender I was a lender before actually. As a lender, you know, I try to look at their business plan and, like, is this this business viable? What are the market conditions? Is it competitive? And a lot of that stuff is definitely unknown, especially in Indigenous economies and informal economies that exist on the reservation. Last, um, and there are some lenders that are mitigating this this challenge and barrier, but oftentimes a lot of banks and financial institutions won't do business on tribal lands because of tribal sovereignty. So, um, folks that want to use their house or a car to secure the loan and promise to pay in case they should default, oftentimes that won't be considered because banks cannot go into tribal lands and, and seize those assets, so collateral um, sometimes isn't helpful. Um, and then for, for our communities that may not have access to intergenerational wealth or wealth that has been transferred for hundreds of years through assets. Um, they may not have the, the capital, the initial injection to put this money into a business. So it, it's really, um, in my opinion, a systemic failure and and a framework that doesn't do justice or okay. really take into consideration um, the, the history in this country.
0: Okay, sure. So um – so you mentioned earlier the five C's are what, what loans are are typically the underwriting used to to approve loans. So what's the alternative? What are you folks doing differently to meet the needs of your borrowers?
6: Thanks. So we actually are introducing a, uh, what we call relationship-based lending, and we're introducing the antithesis, the five R's of rematuration. And it's underwriting based on this concept of rematuration, and we look at um, five R's, which are relational, rooted, restorative, regenerative, and revolutionary. So as we look at the entrepreneurs, we're looking at do they value relationships? Are they rooted in reciprocity? Um, meaning, you know, are they going to be in community with us? And, and if a situation should occur where they can't pay, are they going to let us know and, and have that trust to to um, to not only let us know, but also their commitment to repay? Uh, we look at rooted. Are they also rooted in Indigenous values? Are they um, building a business that's speaking to communal needs? Are they looking at creating businesses that are supportive of their employees and their staff um, so that they themselves can close their racial wealth gaps or provide a, a decent wage to their employees or staff? Um, we also look at another criteria, which is, is it, is it a regenerative business? Is it being mindful of the impact on um, families and communities and economies? As well as the planet and is the business game-changing are they solving a problem and what's been really great about this type of underwriting structure is one it supports indigenous women to be at um, I guess the the helm of the decision making process and um, and as a way for us to mitigate racial and gender bias because we hear a lot from our community that they that they do face institutional racism when they go into financial institutions and it allows us to support our community, um, especially those that are looking to build businesses that are formed by Indigenous values and community needs and also serving Indigenous communities. So that's the type of entrepreneur we're, we're looking to fund and um, also challenging this framework and saying that there's other ways to look at um, risk and there's other ways to underwrite people and, and ways that okay. are much more culturally
0: relevant. And, and Jamie, let's talk about that word risk, because that's that's what is at the underlying um, junction of, of, of what we're talking about here is when you're a lender, when you extend credit, you are taking a risk. And this stuff all sounds great. Reciprocity, indigenous values, communal needs. But um, I mean, is it riskier when you when you when you don't look at the five C's like a traditional lender would? I mean, um, are are you taking more of a risk with these loans based on um, the relationship-based lending that you described? And um, does it work? I mean, how's the success working so far for you?
6: Thank you. I don't think it's risky at all. I, One, I'm biased, right, because I'm an Indigenous woman. But I believe (laughs) Indigenous women from the onset of their their idea and what they aim to do because they're rooted in community and they're interested in serving community or solving a problem. So for me, I don't view um, our people as risky. I could see from the financial standpoint how that narrative has has happened and been shaped. Um, To date, we've had three pilots. We've lent over half a million dollars to 65 indigenous women. We have a 99% repayment rate. Interest rates range from zero to 5%. And um, so far from our first pilot, which is a response fund that was created at the height of the pandemic, nearly 70% of that cohort have since paid off. So to me, we're proving that Indigenous women are not risky and are worthy of taking that risk from the financial standpoint. Um, what we also do, I, I think, for just to articulate it to traditional lenders, is we do provide wraparound support for these entrepreneurs. So we provide financial literacy, education, education, um, We also provide business technical assistance. We provide them with a community to lean into. So all of these are actually, I would say, in my opinion, risk mitigators, quote unquote. But these are actually in service to the community we're serving So to ensure that they have success not only in building their business, but ensuring that they are able to meet their their minimum payment requirements. So no, they're not risky at
0: all. Okay. And um, so the, the old credit score, the FICO score that we're all so familiar with, do you pull credit reports and do you look at those FICO scores? Or do you do completely just throw those out and you go with your relationship based lending model.
6: So we work with two financial intermediaries right now. One is Nissan, a credit union here in New Mexico, and they're also a CDFI. We also work with Community Credit Lab, which is a national organization based in Seattle. And uh, the credit union, Just as 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 many banks and institutions do, is they do pull credit, but it's not um, it's not used to determine whether or not we're going to approve or not a loan or not. Um, We're looking at is this like again the five R's right? Is this person rooted? Are they are they in relationship? Are they going to continue engagement? Um, So that's what those are the things that we're looking at. But no, we don't we don't look at their credit scores, and we're actually now seeing trend. it's all aggregated data, so we're not looking at the personal information, but we're now seeing trends where a lot of our borrowers, are, their credit scores are actually increasing, and they're actually accessing greater amounts of capital through the financial institutions that we work with.
0: We're speaking now with Jamie Glashay. She's a co-founder of Native Women Lead, and she's explaining what relationship-based lending looks like there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Folks, give us a call. We've got a great show for you. We'll be right back. A new survey finds Native American renters are far more likely to face evictions compared to the rest of the population. And some housing experts warn of a possible eviction crisis in the coming months. We'll get the good news and bad news about the factors renters are facing. That's coming up on the next Native America Calling. You're listening to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Access to credit is the lifeblood of a healthy economy, but many Native Americans face barriers to borrowing money. Today we're talking with Native lenders who are changing that narrative through a cultural lens. Please call in with your questions or comments. Are you interested in how someone with a less than perfect credit score can get an affordable loan? 1-800-996-2848 is the number to call. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our next guest is joining us from Cherokee, North Carolina. Russ Siegel is the executive director of the Sequoia Fund. They are a community development financial institution there in Cherokee. Russ, welcome to Native America Calling.
3: Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, Russ, it's it's wonderful to have you on the show. And uh this alternative lending is a really fascinating concept. Uh we heard from Jamie Glacher earlier and it's working down there in New Mexico. Is it working in North Carolina with uh the native borrowers that you serve?
3: Yeah, it is. And gosh, you know, if if your show only had about another thirty seconds, we could just take everything Jamie said, and just replace Native Women Lead with Sequoia Fund. And I think we could just end it right there. It's, it's amazing, and I love their, I love their five R's, uh, replacing the five C's. Uh, but, yeah, alternative lending works. Um, you know, we were built – Sequoia Fund was built to be sort of a lender of last resort. But over the last 25 years, we've become the first place people uh, turn to in Cherokee for business loans. Um and I think as Jamie could attest, banks need a thousand reasons to say yes. And they only need one reason to say no. And in the native CDFI world, we're almost the exact opposite. We start with a premise of, let's see if we can make that work. How can we make that a reality? Um, and and then, you know, on the flip side is once we make the loan, the deal isn't done. It's it's about keeping those business owners and those businesses healthy enough so that they can repay those loans and so that they can grow and add employees and expand their markets and and do great things for, for their families. And um, it, it's it's things that banks really don't consider. They don't throw those things in the mix. Um, it's, you know, can you make your payment? And if you can't, then we are out of relationship we don't we don't we don't want to deal with you um you know for us it is about relationships it's all about um those things that that are almost forgotten uh, overlooked i think we've done a great job in this country putting the credit score at the forefront and saying you are less of a person if your credit score is below this level and nothing can be further from the truth uh, and, and so I think as alternative lenders we're more concerned with you know who are your people what's your motivation what do you want to do with this why do you want to do this what gets you out of bed every morning and who are you serving uh, for us it's it's about relationships um, so yeah it's 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 taking a totally different approach from what most people see as commercial lending
0: Russ, I really appreciate what you say about um, a, a credit score, uh, a person being more than their credit score. And I just can't get over how in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, this whole obsession with credit scores has just completely like taken over uh, everybody in this country. When You see these commercials and people are walking around with their credit scores on these big signs and they're walking through town. and. Um, yeah i mean it's just it's really taken hold and, and and i hear from people and who have bad credit scores or, or less than perfect credit scores and they they really struggle with it uh emotionally and it, it just creates so many challenges and it's not just always necessary lending decisions i mean uh hiring decisions insurance rates a lot of things can be dictated by these credit scores so um as an alternative to a credit score, though, and this relationship building stuff sounds great, and things like that. But what are some other ways there at Sequoia Fund that you folks are able to gauge credit worthiness uh, using this uh, these alternative ideas?
3: Well, you know, first we have to pull credit scores. It keeps our auditors happy. <laughs> you know, in the, in the <laughs> okay. lending industry, it's just one of those things. You know, what, uh, who are you lending to? Okay, so we. The, the first thing that we look at is, uh, can you go to a bank? It, it, are you going to get better service? Are you going to get lower interest rates? Are you going to have more products available to you if you go to a bank? And quite frankly, we have a good relationship with the one bank that does have a presence here on the koala boundary. Uh, and, and we don't want to step on their toes. You know, they offer things that we don't. They do things like lines of credit. Uh, so so we, we try to work together to uh, to make the most of of Products we have for people, but we there are a couple of our loan products found that we don't have a lower. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a credit limit that we look at in a traditional way. In fact, um, we don't say if you're below this line, you can't get a loan. For us, a no is never a forever no. A no is not right here, not right now, not this way. Maybe you need a bigger population. For this business to succeed, and Cherokee is just not it. Maybe the timing isn't right. Maybe you're jumping into this thing in a in a in an economy that is not very friendly to your type of business. You know, if you're in the home services business right now, if if, if you do roofing, guttering, siding, plumbing, electricity, we we will we will welcome you. We will we will shower you with dollars because those are things that are in high demand right now. If you're looking to sell Beanie Babies on eBay. That ship kind of sailed in the mid-90s, and uh, maybe, maybe not right now, uh, and then not this way, which means we're going to dig into your business plan. We're going to look for some fundamental flaws that we can fix. Is there something here that just doesn't work, and how can we, how can we get you past that? How can we get you uh, to a point where this business is going to work? One of the worst things we can do is set people up for failure, so I don't want to lend money to someone who – doesn't have the infrastructure there uh, that's gonna help them succeed. So we, we look
0: at grip
3: is one of the big things we look at.
0: Grip, you said? Grit 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 okay so like just somebody just that tenacity that spirit that passion it sounds like for for what they're they're borrowing for and i want to ask you this because you're talking a lot about business loans there at sequoia fund but what about um other types of credit auto loans or, or somebody that might need a personal loan for something or even a credit card can some of these alternative lending models work with those types of loans and credit too
3: it does it does work um you know when we look at when we look at people who are credit worthy, and this is one of the big misnomers about a credit score, a credit score does not mean that you're going to get a great credit rate. You're not going to get a great interest rate. It doesn't mean you're going to get treated well. We have people who have a 650 credit score, 700 credit score, and they go to a car lot and they walk away with a with a car and an interest rate of about 27 percent, and for for no other reason that I can see, other than they're native. They're good people. Uh, they uh, they may have a few medical bills or things like that. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I think I'm going to have a heart attack today. Uh, or I think I'm going to uh, drive off the road and wrap my car around a tree today, and that's going to wreck my credit. Nobody ever intentionally walks into those things. And yet they drive off a lot with a car that is, uh, probably doesn't have a lot of life in it. And the money is going to last longer than the car. That's not fair. So we look at, Do you is your credit score above a certain level? If it is, you probably are going to get a better deal from the dealership. You know, maybe you qualify for 2.99% interest rate or a zero interest rate. But if your credit score is below that level, we want to make you a loan because we know that you are going to get hurt by anybody else. Uh, so our loans – Uh, are very simple for people to understand. They're very easy for us to implement and use. We have a car loan program that's up to $30,000, 4% interest over five years. And people can collateralize that with their per cap as well as the car. So if they do hit a rough patch, if they lose their job, if something happens in their life, they don't have to lose their car. Um, Same thing with our housing rehab loans. This was started back in 2009. A lot of these old BIA houses that just – we're, we're falling apart. Needed a lot of work. Uh, we do a four percent, five year loan up to thirty five thousand dollars for people to rehab those homes, make them livable, make them comfortable, and and make them something that they want to spend time in. Uh, but again, it's it, it's been one of our most popular products because we collateralize that with Per Cap. We're not going to be out there doing surveys and appraisals and tying up people's time. You know, if you need to spend eight thousand dollars on a roof we can turn that around pretty quickly and, and we can, we can get people in a, in a much better position uh, just by, by simple yeses. You know, my wife years ago, when, when my kids were little, I was Dr. No, I tried to say no to him, but She said, why don't you say yes every chance you get? <laughs> and it, it, it improved my relationship with my daughters because I went from Dr. No to, yeah, I think we could do that. Let's do that. And and we have the same attitude here. It's a like, we fund. Somebody I mean, comes in, yeah, let's do that. And, Until we find a really good reason to stop the process, we're going to move ahead with the gas.
0: We're speaking with Russ Siegel. He's the executive director of Sequoia Fund, and he's telling us the story of how he went from uh, a dad who always said no to a dad who starts to say yes. And uh, talking about that credit score, uh, Russ gave us some numbers about credit scores, and uh, they range from 300 on the low end all the way up to a perfect score, which is 850, and Uh, For most folks, uh, 700 and up is a a pretty good credit score. So give us a call if you've got a question, if you'd like to learn more from some of our guests today about these alternative lending programs. The number is 1-800-996-2848. And our next guest is joining us from Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Jody Fisher is the Senior Projects Manager at First Nations Community Financial. They are a community development financial institution that serves the Ho-Chunk Nation, and she's uh, Wyandot. Jody, welcome to the show.
7: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you on the line, Jody. And tell us a little bit about how you folks at First Nations Community Financial, how you um, work these alternative lending methods into uh, loans and credit that you offer your borrowers there with the Ho-Chunk Nation?
7: Yeah, so we offer a pretty wide variety of products, everything from you know our small business loans, home loans, all the way down to some consumer lending products. Um, one of our more unique products is we have a fresh start loan. So, you know, I think a lot of us know that, you know, native communities, they tend to have some collections on there, maybe some medical debt. And when they go to a traditional lender, that's going to stop them. That's going to prevent them from getting, you know, a loan maybe altogether or at least going to, you know, put that interest rate up towards the predatory numbers. So we try to help them, you know, we'll help them pay off that debt and then they can make payments to us at a more reasonable rate. And then with all of our loan products, everything from personal loans to auto loans to home loans, we really build on that idea of relationships. Um, So we work with them through the whole process and even after the loan is closed to provide education, provide things like credit counseling and credit rehabilitation, um, because credit's never broken. But it maybe needs some help to build back up. And our goal is eventually to get them where, you know, they could walk into any bank and get a loan at a, you know, an affordable interest rate. But we also recognize that for our communities, there's a lot of that kind of mistrust with traditional lenders. So we, you know, we want to be here to help provide an alternative and somebody that's familiar with their community, with their values and things like that.
0: That's really interesting. And uh, in thinking, and this is really um Eye-opening because learning more about these these relationships and and earlier we heard both Jamie and and Russ say that you know some native folks they they might go to a traditional bank they might go to a traditional lender and um it's just it's just a a business transaction right do the numbers make sense is the credit score right is there the current debt right. And they just make the decision off of that, but there's none of these additional questions or concerns about what you folks are talking about today and making sure there's a relationship or do do these do these does this loan somehow benefit the community and. and, uh, and that just seems so important to to take that whole approach. So, is that another issue that you folks are focused on there at First Nations Community Financial? Also, thinking about how these programs will serve not only these individuals or their families, but also just the Ho Chunk Nation at large?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so one thing is Native communities are generally more susceptible to predatory lending. Predatory lending operations tend to set up on or near Native communities that you know there's that's just one of the things that happens and we feel that if we can as a community and as a tribe can decrease reliance on predatory lenders then we're setting the whole community up for better and then also we like to focus on you know setting up the next generation native communities don't tend to have a lot of generational wealth you know, that that stuff hasn't been passed down, that knowledge hasn't been passed down. And so we try to equip both our youth and the parents so that they can equip their children to be more savvy consumers, to be in a better spot than maybe they were. So we really take a whole community approach to our lending and to our education.
0: Okay. Now, Jody, walk us through the process here. Let's say I am somebody and, and I've had some credit hiccups in the past. Uh, I don't have a great credit score. And uh, maybe I need an auto loan. I need, I need to get to work. I need a good, reliable car. And I come to to your, to your office there at First Nations Community Financial. How are you going to work me and how are you going to um, work with me so I can get to the point where I can qualify for a good auto loan?
7: Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the first things we would look at is where's your income? You know, we want to verify income. Um, if you're a tribal member, you know, we know that that per cap security can be there. Um, if you're a tribal employee, then a lot of times we can set up like a voluntary wage assignment. So you don't even have to worry about making the payments. But then we we do pull credit. You know, we're, we're a lender. We've got to pull credit. We have to look at credit scores. You know, like Russ said, our auditors want to see that. But we look at credit scores not for the purpose of approving or denying a loan. We look at credit scores as a starting point. Okay, so you're starting at this credit score. Now let's see how high we can get it up there. But then what we focus on a lot more for determining affordability and things is the DTI. So what kind of debts do you have? What Maybe what loan repayment history do you have with us? Um, if you have some collections, okay, well, what happened? Tell us about it. You know, were you in a car accident, and now you ended up with $20,000 in medical collection? That's a little different than, you know, something happened and you just chose not to pay a loan. So, mm-hmm. you know, we really want to know the circumstances. And in those five Cs of credits, that's the conditions. We want to understand the conditions of your credit history and of where you're at now. So we really kind of take a holistic approach. And then even if you don't qualify, it's never a no. It's a not yet. So let's a get to that yes.
0: We're speaking with Jody Fisher. She's the Senior Projects Manager at First Nations Community Financial. And we're learning that... Uh, Debts are not all created equal. A $20,000 debt for maybe an auto accident isn't the same as maybe a $20,000 debt uh, for an unpaid credit card balance. So folks, give us a call if you want to learn more. We'll be right back.
7: If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free, confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat. 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org.
0: Welcome back to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There's still time to join today's conversation about alternative credit programs offered by Native lending institutions. So what are you waiting for? Give us a call. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Any questions? If you've got a question about uh how these programs work these alternative lending programs give us a call if you've got a question about just understanding more about borrowing and what some of those issues are like credit scores and debt to income ratios give us a call we've got people on the show today who can answer your questions and one of those people is jody fisher she's at first nations community financial in black river falls wisconsin and jody you've been uh touched on earlier that um some of your uh, your borrowers have per capita payments that can be used uh, as income or to back some of these loans. And Russ Siegel over there at Sequoia Fund mentioned the same thing. Uh, some of their borrowers have per capita payments as well that can really help them with their overall financial profile. But of course, not every native community has per capita. Not every native person receives per capita payments. So what about um, all of our brothers and sisters that don't have per capita? And um, and their borrowing needs as well. If they can't have that little extra cushion of money to help get that loan approved, uh, what's your advice to those folks?
7: Yeah. So um, you know, I, th- I think if you don't have that per capita, it does not mean that you're unlendable by any means. Um, you know, a lot of times it's okay. Well, let's figure out how to demonstrate that willingness to repay or, you know, let's maybe you have a collection. So rather than just paying it off, well, let's set up a payment plan for six months, make six months of payments. Now you're demonstrating a willingness to repay. So maybe you don't need that extra collateral or, you know, maybe you can set up automatic withdrawals. I know that's something we offer for our clients is, you know, as kind of that extra security You don't have to come in and make a payment. You don't have to remember to make a payment. You give us authorization, and we will pull that directly out of your checking account or out of your savings account, or maybe we can take it out of your paycheck. And so that, from a lender's perspective, provides a little more security. It's still not technically collateral, but it does provide the lender a little more security. And it takes some of the responsibility of having to remember, you know, among everything else you're doing, oh, I need to make my car payment this month.
0: Now, Jody, um, several of our guests, including yourself, have talked about these classes um, that folks can take to help them get better prepared for for borrowing money and getting approved. And what all goes into these classes? What kind of topics do you folks cover in in these workshops?
7: Yeah, so um, we offer a variety of classes. So right now we offer our small business classes. And those are fully virtual classes that are designed to help those that want to start a business. You know, they're a startup. We look at what goes into those things, marketing, how to, you know, consider things like ownership and whether you're going to be, you know, a business out of your house or a business that, you know, owns a commercial space, something like that. We look at financials, how to build a business plan to then take to a lender or somebody and maybe try to get a grant to help cover some of this. Um, we've also got our home buyers program, and we actually follow um, Pathways Home, which is a native home ownership guide that is made specifically for native communities. It talks about traditional native values and some of that, where we look at everything from pre-purchase, how to qualify for a loan, how to do a little bit of credit rehabilitation, um, all the way to, you know, the little more fun part of actually looking for a home. Here's some things to look for. And then we actually cover post-purchase as well. Okay, now you've bought that home. Let's figure out how to maintain it, how to make sure that we can pass it down if we want to. And then we also offer general financial literacy classes. I know we just did an event actually last Thursday, where we covered how to set up a spending plan. We've done some on just how to set up a checking account. These are things that to some communities, these are just general knowledge. But in a lot of our Native communities, there's not this financial literacy and this general, you know, passing down of information because it was never taught to our older generations. We were left out. We were unbanked communities for so long. And so we want to help some of that. We want to reverse some of that if we can.
0: And are you seeing positive results from all of these efforts, uh, these alternative lending programs, the, the training, the workshops, the counseling, just all these different uh, outreach methods that you're using to to make sure that your borrowers are, are able and capable to, to manage these loans? Are, are you having a lot of success?
7: Oh, absolutely. I think one of our biggest success stories that we love to tell is we had some clients come to us about two years ago, and they had some stuff on their credit. They you know, wouldn't have been able to walk into a traditional lender and get a loan like they were looking for. So they worked with us for about two years. We did that fresh start loan and paid off some of the debt. They worked with us to set up a budget to set all these things in place, and last March they were able to buy their house.
5: So they went from
7: getting turned down for any kind of loan to buying a house.
0: Wonderful story. We've got a caller on the line, Kelly, listening on KISU in Pocatello, Idaho. Kelly, hello. Hi. Hi, Kelly. So
8: I'm calling for a friend, and I have a question for a friend. Um, He is a bartender at a Nice upscale restaurant. He's worked there for many years, um, and he has been uh, renting to own a home. And he's been in the home for several years. He, his wife, with his wife and his daughter and grandkids, and he keeps the property up nice and and pays his rent every month. And now the person who he has the rent-to-own deal with has decided to sell the house because houses have gone up a lot. He does not live on the reservation. He lives in town here in Pocatello, and he's been told he has to move out in December, and he doesn't have a contract, and so i am he doesn't really know how to navigate loans. He just feels like he has to move out, and I was just wondering— where who should he go to? He has a good income. I don't know about his credit, but I know he loves the home and takes care of it and has pride and felt like he was going to own this home. So that's my
0: question. Okay. All right. Thanks for that that question, Kelly. So, uh, yeah, Jody, what what is your advice there? This friend that um, has been living in a house for a long time and now he's got to move out, but... Uh, Do you think he could possibly uh, apply for a mortgage and and, and purchase this home now? And and where would he go? How would he proceed with that idea?
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, of course that situation is so hard, and it's it's heart-wrenching for the families involved. Um, My first suggestion would be to find a local um, HUD-certified agency So HUD is the Housing and Urban Development. They do a lot of housing counseling. They can help with situations like evictions and things like that. Um, And so that, to me, would be my first suggestion, is find someone local that you can sit down with. They can help you look at your credit, look at your income, look at your current situation, and give you a very holistic view of what maybe your next steps are. And they can also help you determine whether you're mortgage ready. They can help you assess different types of loan products. You know, maybe a a conventional loan is not the only way to achieve homeownership. There are so many other loan products now that can be really helpful to our native borrowers, too. You know, some of these government-backed loans. And so a lot of times these housing agencies can help kind of take that whole look. Whereas if you go into a lender right away... They're just going to assess credit worthiness. They're not going to look at anything else.
0: Jody, thanks for that reply there, that answer. Uh, Anybody else with a question or a comment? 1-800-996-2848. Still time to get your comments, get your questions on the air. Uh, We've got another guest now, our fourth guest on the show today. His name is Tommy Robinson, and he's the Program Manager with the People's Partner for Community Development. He is in Lame Deer, Montana. He is Northern Cheyenne and Crow. Tommy, thanks for joining us.
9: Yes, thanks for having me, Sean.
0: Well, Tommy, um, tell us more about People's Partner for Community Development and how you folks uh, incorporate some of these alternative lending programs and how you serve uh, Northern Cheyenne tribal members.
9: Yeah, you bet um, so the People's Partners for Community Development was created in you know 1999 um, after some individuals um, sued one of the local banks just for like discrimination. Um, so that's where it all started. And then eventually, this, the bank was able to open a branch on the reservation. So th- the nonprofit kind of went stagnant for a bit, but we became a certified CDFI in 2016. And we had a board member who owned um, a local business here in town, and he called it Courtesy Cash. And he is his, um, he had very non traditional lending practices. But the community trusted him, so he he had been in the reservation since the 1940s um, when he sold us the um, his business. He was 90, 94, I believe. But yeah, the community trusted him. You know, the, everyone. You know, even though he there was a bank, you know, right across the street, so many people still came to him. Um, so once we purchased that and moved over here, our our lending really grew because we were able to take some of his clients. And we were able to serve them, and so we also had a board member, or the board chair at the time was the branch manager of the bank. And the bank um, grew from a private to a public bank, and their lending practices changed, and they weren't able to to lend to our, our community members like they were able to in the past. Um, you know, the, our board chair, who has now passed away, she you know she knew the value of you know, native, you know, beadwork and things like that. So she was comfortable lending, um, to, to people who who had that type of, um, collateral, but as, as the bank grew, she wasn't able to do that anymore. And so, um, the bank actually had a foundation who, who helped, you know, give us, they gave us a grant to do lending just so that we could serve our people, just how they did at the time. And so, um, just by being here at, you know, the location of currency Cash, we just, our consumer loans just, you know, went out the roof. Um, and we were able to stay open through the whole pandemic, which was great. And I think even in the pandemic um, that year, we did more lo- loans in a year than we did um, in our first four years of being certified. So, um, you yeah, know, now that we, we have the consumer loans, but then we also have ag loans that we started. So the Northern Shine Reservation um, and its members own 90% of our land. And so um, most of the income for our tribe's general fund is from leases from local cattle ranchers. And so the average age of um, the ranchers now is over six years old. And so we started a youth ag program where we were tr- we are wanting to train up you know young people who can Become you know the future ranchers of our reservation, because we've seen just so many um older or elders as they pass on you know their families don't continue their ranch business um so we're wanting to train people up so that we can you know continue to have you know use our land for that and to give our tribe you know funds for that so um that has really taken off in the last few years as well as we can um, help serve all of our ag producers.
0: Now, Tom, for these ag loans that you're talking about, I mean, this is, um, it seems a lot different than, than a home mortgage or uh, a personal loan or something like that. Now, when it comes to, to approving a loan like that, um, do you do anything a little bit different than, than what's been described on this show so far in terms of um, these debt-to-income ratios or a credit check or even some of the, the relationship-type um, stuff that uh, that Jamie talked about earlier?
9: Yeah, so um, we have an ag loan officer and so she will um, do a balance sheet and look at all the financials for the ag or the the lender because, you know, a lot of ag loans, people get help through um, Farm Service Agency, FSA, but a lot of those ag loans, they won't get reported on their credit report if, um, you know, people it's just for some reason it's not on there because I think if they, they It's a business loan rather than a consumer loan, so that's why it's not um, helping their credit. But so, yeah, we we will just, you know, look at their – we have to look at, you know, how much – what kind of cattle herd they have on hand, their land, their lease that they have, um, and then she'll do a whole balance sheet, and and then that's how we will um, award their, their loan.
5: Repatriation is the return of ancestors and stolen culture. Work with experts in the field to form strategies and build relations to better the future of repatriation at the 8th Annual Repatriation Conference, October 11th, 12th, and 13th, hosted by the Association on American Indian Affairs and the Pokagon Band of Potawatomi Indians. Learn more at indian-affairs.org. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. My name is Asad. When I was 19, my mom was diagnosed with colorectal cancer because she smoked.
0: My tip is find things to be thankful for. I'm thankful she quit smoking. I'm thankful for the nurses who taught me how to check her IV and to manage her medication. And I'm thankful for every day we have together because nothing is guaranteed, especially for us. The people you love are worth quitting for. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico, by Kwanic Broadcast Corporation, a native non-profit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.